Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. You know, Gene and I were married in 1983, and the first 10 years of our marriage, um, I was good with numbers and good with spreadsheets, so I took care of the books and uh, did our home finances. And I had a little bit of an overspending problem, and I should have let Gina do it because she's very disciplined. You know how they say women spend more than men? Not, not in our case. I could outspend her very easily. And um, so the way it went down is, you know, I'm starting the church, and obviously I couldn't make a whole lot for the first couple years, but I, I always thought if I just made more money, I'd be okay. And so I remember out spending every year, just spending more than I made. And you know how you just put it on credit, home equity, just put a little bit over here. And every year is overspending. And every year I had the attitude, if I just made a little bit more money, this wouldn't be a problem. Then I'd get a pay bump, and I'd spend the whole bump. It's like, what? I just, I need more money. If I just made more money, I have a... I have a, a, a deficit of income, and I just thought if I make more money, I'd be okay. Then I'd get another bump, and I end up out spending the whole bump. So then I remember Gina was home for a while with our kids, and I remember when she went back into the workforce, and I'm like, yeah, with her income and my income, now I'm set. And then I, I spent her income and my income, and I got to a place after about 10 years to where I loaded up my debt, to where I could not put any more on debt. And I remember crying out to God and repenting. And I didn't really understand fully, but I just said, God, I know I'm overspending. God, I know I'm wrong. And I just repented to God. And I, and I realized it wasn't a lack of income problem. It was an overspending problem. And God had to bring me on a journey to open up my heart and open up my eyes to that. And we live in a country, guys, where it's really difficult to learn that because we live in a nation uh, that is the greatest capitalist country that ever existed on the planet. It has some great pros, but it has some cons, man. And one of the cons is this country is so good at marketing us, telling us we need something we don't need, that it's really hard to say no to it sometimes. And they're convincing us you need a better you need a better cell phone. I know yours works, but this one is a little better. And they do such a good job, we'll go wait for 36 hours in front of the store uh, to, to be the first one to buy it. Or, hey, you have a great flat screen? This one's three inches bigger, and it, it, has, it has more pixels. And it, we're not broadcasting for those pixels, but someday we'll broadcast on those pixels. So, so yeah, I've got to get that. And then how about vehicles? You know, I've got to have the newest model. The newest model does this. My model doesn't do that. I can't drive if I don't have that. And, and they're just constantly telling us we need things. And for a guy like me, man, it was killing me. And if you're here today and you have a problem in this area of your life, you're in the right place at the right time. I want to welcome you to before and after. And I titled this lesson, Before and After Plastic Surgery. And uh, I'm real excited about it. I'm not talking about this kind of plastic surgery here. Um, 
isn't that an incredible nose reconstruction? That is incredible. They did a good job. I hear that's painful. I've never had plastic surgery. You can tell if you just look at my nose, it's not been touched. But, but uh, I hear that hurts. But I know one that hurts at least as bad, and it's this kind of plastic surgery. That one hurts when, when you cut up the credit card or you say, I'm not going to spend what I don't have. That really hurts. And God had to walk me on a journey to come to the place to where I began to understand how easy it is to spend money I don't have. And, you know, the Bible's full of uh, uh, information on this. So we're going to open it up, have a great time today. But let me show you the problem that we deal with in America. Uh, Dunn and Bradstreet study says this. People spend 12 to 18% more when using credit cards over cash. Did you know that? You'll spend anywhere from 12 to 18% more. Now, McDonald's, their stats are even worse. McDonald's says this, they report its average ticket is $7 when people use credit cards versus $4.50 for cash. That's 64% more. That's huge. So there's something about going into McDonald's with cash versus taking your card in, and there's something about just spending more money when you have that card. So here I am, I'm giving to God Gene and I have always tithed. We've always given uh, even above the tithe. We've always been generous to the work of God. So I've always known God's going to bless me. But what I had to learn is I can outspend the blessings of God. And I didn't know that, that I could outspend the blessings of God. But I stand before you to tell you it can be done. It can be done. But here's another problem we deal with in America, guys. This is a serious problem. The average Japanese person saves 25% of their income. That's incredible. And it's, it's true all the way across with, with the Asian culture. And listen to this. The average European saves 18% of their income. That's really good. Now, I don't want you to see it yet, but just in your mind, where, where do you think America falls, huh? Uh, I heard all kind of numbers in first service. Here it is. The average American spends 1% more than they make. That's us. <laughs> Yay, America. <laughs> Aren't we cool? <laughs> we live in the greatest capitalistic country on the planet. I love our country, but this country is not good for a guy like me. I, I have a generosity gift, so I like to give. And you put marketers in front of me without me understanding what I'm going to teach you today, and they'll suck me dry. And uh, you and I have to understand what the Bible teaches on this subject. So get a hold of this. Proverbs 22.7 says this, borrow money and you are the lender's slave. Now, it's okay to have a loan on your house. That's, that's fine. You just want to make sure you buy a house that's within your means so you can afford the monthly payment. Because if you buy something above your means, the monthly payment's going to strap you, and you're going to be strapped the whole time you have that home. But isn't it also true, guys, that once you buy a home, that you have to make that payment every month? that in a sense, aren't, aren't we a slave to the bank institution that owns the note? And I'm not saying they're bad, but don't we have to make that payment? Don't we have to work to make that payment? Yeah. And the Bible's trying to teach us to do everything within our power to buy what we can afford and to live at the level we can afford. So you're sitting here, some of you, and thinking, Pastor Joe, I know you may not have been there, but it's true with me, I just don't make enough. And, and here's what I've learned. No matter where you're at in life, that's not true. You can always 
live within your means. I want you to walk out today understanding this. Anyone can live within their income. And I want to help you understand that today because it's really, really important that you and I understand this and that we begin to understand, hey, I may need more money. Maybe my job isn't good enough. That's cool. But wherever I'm at right now, I can live within that income right now. And as God prospers me, if I learn to do that, then I'll never ever put myself into the bondage that I did the first 10 years of our marriage. So I want to talk about God's four financial laws. This is what's going to set us free. And one of them has to do uh, with what, what we're going to call budgeting. And we'll talk about that last. But here's God's four financial laws. Here's law number one. We have to recognize God as our source. This is really important. I don't care who you are, God's your source. And listen to this scripture, Deuteronomy 8.18. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Now we can, we can outspend them if we're not careful living in this country, but this liberated my life when I came to learn that my job is not my income, it's not my source. Let me say it to you that way. God is my source. And I've had the privilege of pastoring this church. This August will be 33 years. And let me tell you why that's so important to me, guys. For 33 years, I have watched God bless people that have high education, and I've watched God bless people that have no education. And I've watched God bless some people with no education higher than he blesses people with education, and they're both important. I'm just saying, I've watched people give their life to God. I've watched people recognize God as their source, and I've watched God do incredible things in people's lives. And that's why this first law is so important, just recognizing God as our source and not having fear, knowing God's going to be there, God's going to meet our needs. Here's the second one, and it goes like this. We need to honor God first. This is a tough one. And I want to say, in all the years I've pastored, I've never met a Christian that doesn't want to honor God first. I've met Christians that want to but can't. But I've never met one that doesn't want to. And the ones I've met that want to but can't, it's all because they don't know how to budget. They just don't know how to budget. And we'll talk about that as we progress. And I realize sometimes people go through really tough times and that's a little bit different. And God will bring you out of those kind of crazy things too. But listen to this scripture, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income. In the Bible, that's referring to tithing. I'll talk about that in a moment. And he will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow your wine. That's with the finest wines. So in the Bible days, they were raising uh, herds of animals. They were farming. So verse 10 is just all about God blessing you above your ability. But verse 9 when it says the first part of all your income, that's referring to tithing. So if you're newer here, you haven't heard some of my stories about tithing. Um, and I'll just share a couple with you, and I'll share some peaks. But I'm telling you, I was 20 years old when I began to tithe. So I was a young guy, and I began to give a tithe. But when I first heard about tithing, that means 10% of your income. It blew every gasket I had. I was raised Catholic. And my dad was one of the biggest givers in the Catholic Church, and he gave $5 a week. So that, that's, he was a big giver there. And, uh, and I heard tithing. I, I nearly lost my mind. 
And I became mad at my pastor because he was driving a nicer car than I was driving. And, and I thought, I'm not going to tithe so he can drive a nice car, and I'm not going to have a nice car. And I told God, this is crazy. But the one thing I did, which I encourage all of you to do, I, ch I kept looking up scriptures, and I said, God, convince me. God, convince me. And God's able to convince us, and he convinced me. So I have a different personality than probably many of you in this room. I have a jump-in head-first personality, and, and, I, and I can do that because I have faith for it. I, I just believe if God said it, I'm going to do it, and I'll just jump in head first. Uh, if you don't have that personality, I wouldn't recommend you do what I did um, unless, God, you have faith for it. But when I saw it, I said, God, I'm going to begin to do it. And I had, some, I had debt from a business that, that we closed. We couldn't sell it. We closed it. I had debt there. I had other debt. And, and, and I just remember saying, God, I'm, I'm going to tithe. And the most amazing thing happened when I began to tithe. And, and I believe things happen sometimes to me so I can share with other people. Uh, but God did the most amazing thing. Somebody approached me and said, I want to pay your car, your car loan off. They paid my car loan off. Someone else approached me and said, I want to pay your business loan off. They paid my business. Can you imagine someone? I didn't, I didn't tell them I start tithing. They didn't know anything. People just wanted to help me and just began to help me. Nobody helped me before then. I was a little angry that now they're helping me. They didn't help me before. And, and then uh, just it was an amazing thing. And then I went to Bible school, and, and I think I had, you know, you get so old, you start forgetting. It was $100 or $200 in my pocket, no debt. I had a couple hundred bucks in my pocket. And I'm going down to get to my apartment for Bible school, and I can't find it. This is before GPS, and I didn't want to ask directions. But, uh, but finally I had to, so I walk in a convenience store, and there's a guy at the counter, and I walk up, and all I want to do is say, hey, where's this address? Where's these apartments? And he doesn't let me talk. He says, are you here to go to Bible school? I said, yeah, yeah. He said, well, let me tell you a story. He said, I just graduated from that Bible school, and I'm going back to Iowa. And he said, I, I was thinking of taking my furniture home with me. He said, and then when you walked in the door, the Spirit of God spoke to my heart, and he said, give that guy all your furniture. And you know that guy gave me his whole apartment full of furniture? Bedroom set, living room set, kitchen set. He gave me all his furniture. And God just did these amazing things for me when I began to just do what God teaches. You know, Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 and 11 say when we begin to tithe, it opens up a window. God blesses us. You know what else it says? It says he'll protect us. It's an amazing thing what God promises to us when we begin to give. And for some of you, because I'm a heads first guy, you may just want to pick a number. Say, God, I'm going to begin to give 2%. God, I'm going to begin to give 3%. God, I have to get my debt in control. But as soon as I do, then I'm going to begin to give this to you. Because with Americans, you've got to help Americans get their debt in control. You know, My brother Tony's good friends with Joseph Prince. Many of you know Joseph from TV. And uh, when Tony was in Singapore, uh, Joseph Prince built most of the buildings. His church built my brother Tony's buildings for his Bible school. And Joseph's church, 90% of that church tithes. And, uh, but can you see they're saving 25% of their income? It's not a big deal for them. They're not overspending. But it's amazing to watch how easy it is to give when you're, when you're disciplined in the other areas. So here's this, this is another story. I, I, I never make stories up. I want you to know this. My wife can verify any of my stories. You know, I talked about the first 10 years of my marriage and how I, I took my debt limit all the way up and I repented. Shortly after that, I had a phone call. 
The guy that called me was, uh, when I knew him, he was a junior in high school. That's when I met him. I started the church in 1983. He was a junior in high school. And um, he was a mess because he didn't have a father in his life. His father was alive, but his father wouldn't have anything to do with him. His mother was an alcoholic. And this kid was an absolute mess. But he began to come to believers. So I, I counseled him once a week for about a year and a half. And he was very suicidal. And I just did everything I could to help this young guy. And then he graduated from high school and disappeared. And I often prayed and often wondered about him. Then after I did this big repentance to God and said, I'm gonna, I want to budget my life, Lord, and quit overspending, shortly after this guy calls me and, and he says, hey, he goes, Pastor Joe. And I said, I can't believe it. I said, how are you doing? And I, I just shot questions. I, I said, are you serving God? Yes. Are you, are you going to church? Yes. Are you involved in church? Yes. Did you get married? Yes. Do you have kids? Yes. And I'm like, oh, I'm so excited for you. I said, what's up? Why, why are you calling me? He said, well, I just wanted to let you know. Um, I became a millionaire. And I said, really? He said, I just sold a business. I have several million dollars in the bank. And uh, he said, I was praying, and God told me to write you a check. And uh, I said, no way. He said, yeah. I said, no, you don't want to do that. He goes, I so appreciate what you did for me when no one else would help me. He said, I want to help you and just write you this check. And he wrote me a check that paid off all my debt, and I had leftover money. Now, I hesitated in sharing that because I don't want you to stay sloppy and, and, and say, oh, God will work a miracle. But when, when he did that, God spoke to my heart, and here's what God told me. He said, because you repented and you made a decision to live according to your means, he said, and you're a tither, I'm blessing you, and I'm breaking this curse in your life. And God did it because of my heart and where my heart was at. So listen to this scripture, guys. This, this is Deuteronomy 14.23, and it reads like this. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first. So God's our source. Put God first. And that's tough for Americans because we want to, but we can't because we're strapped out of our minds. But listen to this next law. Here's the next law. We'll talk about that as we go. The next law is number three, save for the future. Do you know God wants you saving money? Remember the average Japanese, 25% European, 18 the average American, we spend 1% more than we make. That's crazy. That means we're not saving anything, the average American. But listen to Proverbs 21 and verse uh, 30. It says this, um, the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Isn't that terrible? As a pastor, I was foolish the first 10 years of my marriage. Now, thankfully, we have an incredible church board and they, they, they set the budget, so thankfully I couldn't overspend on the church side, right? But, but in my personal life, I was a foolish man. And when I saw that, man, I realized I have to sit down and I have to figure out. I had giving to God figured out, but I, I have to save for myself and I have to give to God. And if I don't, according to the Bible, I'm foolish. So for all the young people in here, this is an incredible message for you to be in on because this can change your life forever. And I know some of you are in college and some of you are in high school, and I understand that, but you know what? You can save at whatever level you're at. When you begin to sit down and look at your spending, you're going to realize you're spending money that you don't have to spend that you can direct into savings. But this country, as great as it is, it's telling us we have to have the latest and greatest 
of everything. That's just what we're told constantly. So listen to this scripture. Um, Proverbs 13, 11 says this. Money that comes easily disappears quickly, right? But money that is gathered little by little will grow. So little by little is when you're saving it. Just so much a month I'm putting away. Money coming quickly is like if you have receive an inheritance or win the lottery, right? And here's what happens. If money comes quickly and you haven't developed the muscles to save, you haven't developed the muscles to give to God and to save, you'll spend whatever you get. If you're sitting here thinking it's not true, man, take a look at this stat. The National Endowment for Financial Education estimates that 70% of people who had unexpectedly come into large sums of money ended up broke within seven years. You know, after first service, I was talking to a guy I know very well here at the church. He, he was in first service. He told me his dad was the first one in Ohio to win a million dollars, and he blew it in a couple years. Can you, can you believe that? Just blew it. And, and uh, it happens all the time where people haven't disciplined themselves. But if you begin to learn that I'm going to save and I'm going to put away, and some of you my age and up, you know who John D. Rockefeller is. You know who he is. For those of you that don't, you know who Bill Gates is. Now, John D. Rockefeller was the Bill Gates of his day. And if you take the, his worth uh, in today's money with inflation, he was worth $340 billion, which is almost five times more than Bill Gates. Bill Gates is worth $70 billion. And John D. Rockefeller was an incredible guy. And uh, he was a Christian man. He taught Sunday school. And here's what he did from the day... He began to work a job. He did this. He says, I have followed the 10-10 principle my entire life. I give God 10% and I save 10% and the rest is mine. And the rest is mine as he budgeted his life, even when he didn't have a lot to say, that's all I'm going to spend. But I'm popping God 10 and I'm popping 10 into savings. And this guy, of course, had, he had a gift. He became one of the wealthiest people on the planet. But when my kids... When they were in high school, I'd sit them down and I'd say, guess what? You're going to tell me you can't do it, but if you start saving 100 a month, you're going to have millions in the bank if you invest it when you're my age. And they'll look at you and they'll say, I can't do it. I'll say, listen, if you don't do it now, you're going to have to save 1000 a month when you get to 30-some. Start popping 100 a month away and saving it, and you're going to have millions when you get to my age. And it's hard for people to comprehend it, but it's true. And I tell them, nobody told me that. I wish someone would have told me that. I started later than you. If I knew that, it would have changed my life. And I'm just encouraging all of us in here. And some of you are in here saying, Pastor Joe, I'm too old. I messed up. No, God's grace can bring you out of anything. And we're going to talk about it. Here's law number four. Plan for the now. And this is a fancy way of saying budget. And uh, we, have to, we have to budget our lives. Listen to Proverbs 21.5. It reads like this. Plan carefully and you will have plenty. If, if you um, act too quickly, you will never have enough. So the latter part is just, just spontaneous. If I see it, I want it. I want that. I want this. The first part is I'm going to plan out my 80% and I'm going to ask myself, this is what I have for this, this is what I have for that, and that's it. And if I can't buy it, I won't buy it. 
And the Bible talks about planning as being one of God's spiritual laws. So no matter where you're at, you can change. But I'll tell you this. When Gina and I began to budget, and really it's, I began to budget, because uh, she was already disciplined. But when we began to do it, it was the most amazing thing. Because here's what we did. We set so much aside per week for groceries. We set so much aside for clothing. We set so much aside for house repairs. So much for auto. We just said, this is what we're going to spend. We're going to live within these means. So much aside to go on a vacation. We just set things aside and said, this is how we're going to live our life. Do you know that changed the very way I made decisions? Because I looked at our grocery budget and I said, well, I can go in one store and spend all of it and have half a basket. Or I can go in another store, Aldi's, and um, <laughs> use less money and have a full basket. And I, I never thought I'd shop at Aldi's, but it's a great store. But I, I remember when we were growing up, uh, when my kids were growing up, uh, they used to say, these Aldi's apples aren't any good. And I used to say, they're within our budget. They're, they're, they're good enough. And uh, you, you have to be careful. You don't want to become too cheap. And, and I don't have that in me, so I can't become too cheap. But uh, I, have to, I have to really discipline myself on the other end. But it's amazing what it does. And then all of a sudden, you just look at everything through a different set of eyes. So if you're sitting here and you're saying, well, Pastor Joe, this is incredible, but I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can get out of the hole I'm in. I want to give you some good news, okay? Here's some really incredible news. Um, we're going to talk to you for a moment here. I'm going to just pitch something called Financial Peace University. It's going to start in uh, just three weeks, man. Maybe, maybe four, February 24th is when our, our new Connect group starts. We, we have put hundreds of people through this. It's an amazing, amazing course. And if you're in debt, you want to go through this. It will show you exactly how to get out of it. They do what they call a debt snowball. The debt snowball is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And I talked to people out in the lobby after first service. They were telling me what the debt snowball did in their life. It absolutely changed their life. They got out of debt, and then they began to save, and they began to give to God. But here's a stat for financial peace. The average family eliminates 5300 in debt. Isn't that amazing? And saves 2700 during the 13-week period. That's amazing. Within 13 weeks, the average family eliminates. Can you imagine eliminate? Think about eliminating 5000 $300 worth of debt. Wouldn't that be incredible if you have debt? Think about also having 2700 in cash. And you might be sitting here saying, that's an impossibility. But that's the average stats for people all over the nation that take the class. And here's what I want to do today. I know some of you, you have this more together than I do. Some of you could stand up here. You could teach Financial Peace University. But I also know just according to averages, there's some of you in here that to, until today, you haven't even realized it's not an income problem. It's an overspending problem. And I just want to help you see there's hope. I want to help you see that, yeah, God wants to bless you. And yeah, God will give you blessings. And God will give you better jobs. And God will increase your pay. But I found out the hard way I can spend every blessing God gives me if I'm not disciplined. And I just want to encourage you to change that in your life right now. See God as your source, put him first, save for the future, and then plan for the now. And it's amazing what God does. And the freedom you feel is absolutely amazing when you begin to have that 
under control. And an impulsive guy like me, I needed to have that under control. So let's pray now. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Father, I've done my best to teach uh, this message. We, we, first of all, all of us in this room, we thank you for the wisdom that's in the Bible, Lord. Thank you for it. And Lord, I mean, we understand our culture. We live in America. We understand it, Lord. Man, do we understand it. And Lord, we just thank you for giving us wisdom to supersede our culture. Lord, we don't want to be cheap, but Lord, we do want to be wise. And Lord, none of us want to be foolish. So we ask you, take what we heard today, show us any steps that we need to take. And Lord, we thank you that there's hope for every single one of us. And I thank you, Lord, for growing us in this area so we can be blessed in our future, so we can bless your work now, and Lord, so that we can have peace in our everyday life. Thank you, Father. If heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Just want you for a moment to listen to God concerning this part of the Bible. Because when you talk before and after plastic surgery, I think of those stats for financial peace, and that is an amazing, that's an amazing after. And Lord, I thank you that we're going to hear after story after after story after after story come out of people in this place as they begin to walk in this wisdom that you shared with us today. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I want to pray for one more thing. Listen very, very carefully. I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you if you grew up in church. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized as a baby or an adult. All great things. Here's what I'm asking you. Can you remember a day in your life when you made it personal with Jesus? You know, the Bible declares that whoever calls on his name, he'll save them. The Bible declares that he died for all the world's sin. God raised him up out of that grave. He's alive, and he says, if you believe in me and follow me, I'll wash your sins away. I'll save you. I'll give you the gift of eternal life. So I'm making a call right now for everyone in this room. Can you remember a day in your life when you, from your heart, with your mouth, said, Jesus, I believe, and I accept you as my Savior? Because that's when my life turned around. That's when everything changed. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I can't, but I'm ready today. I want to accept Christ. I want to pray and make him my Lord. If that's you, would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the room, would you help them play? Pray. Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe. I accept you as my Savior. And I make a decision to follow you today. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.